This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels 
All right, so we're off. It's that easy, guys. It's that easy. Nick Peppard and Kyle Strait, gentlemen, North Florida Fire Expo. We're going to get to that, but let's talk about the Make Do Suburban Fireman podcast. I want to know all about this. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so this is uh, the end, coming up on the end of season three here for us. Uh, we've been going at it for a few years. Sean Duffy and I um, kind of got together a few years ago and we yeah uh, we have a lot of conversations on the phone like firemen do yeah and at conferences yeah just, you know it's one of those things where uh, one day he was like you know we we should really record this sometime because we just go on these like kitchen table style diatribe you know dialogue uh, <laughs> uh, conversations and uh, so we're like yeah you know what hey why not give it a whirl so uh, we, neither one of us knew anything about podcasting really it was kind of like uh, you know what do you do like how do we set this up I love and. It. Uh, so Steve Green with Five Alarm Task Force Podcast kind of gave us our start. I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't give Steve credit. Uh, he was actually the one that we were sitting there having a conversation down in South Florida one day that was like, hey, I run a podcast. I could help you guys kind of get off the ground. And so, uh, yeah, we kind of started with Steve and, and kind of under the Five Alarm Podcast label as kind of an offshoot. And so we did a few episodes with Steve. I don't know, probably three, four five episodes. And uh at the end of the year, we we're like, hey, why don't we try to do this on our own? Because it was kind of one of those things where people didn't know how to find us. They had to kind of go the indirect route to through the five alarm list of stuff to find make do. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, three seasons ago, we kicked it off on our own and started doing our own thing. Uh, started pretty basic setup, doing one a month. And then uh, this year, we've kind of graduated the, <laughs> to a month, uh, sometimes three. But it really just uh, kind of blossomed from there and started with conversations at a fire conference. Like, yes. hey, man, we have a lot of good conversations. We should we should uh, get folks to come on and talk with us. And so it was kind of very organic. Uh, that's kind of how we kept it. It's not very scripted. It's very much a we have a couple topics that we want to talk about. But other than that, it's a free for all. That's it's what it's a, supposed to be, man. People want organic. Yeah. They want natural. They want authentic. Like nobody wants any of this polished bullshit that people are trying to spit out. And it's just they want real conversations, man, from real people. Yeah, and, and and I mean, a lot of the conversations as we travel around and, and go to conferences and teach and stuff is like you run into a lot of guys that are in that, you know, setting of doing more with less, limited staffing scenarios. And so uh, we started having these conversations where, you know, you go to, you know, FBIC or Firehouse or wherever, and there's a lot of great instructors. And a lot of these guys come from the Chicago's, the FBNY's, the LA's, places like that. And so um, the conversation was always like, guys were like, hey, how do we take this stuff back and, and make it digestible in small town USA, where we have two or three guys on an engine, uh, where we don't have Love it. a truck rolling out of the house. And so that kind of spurred the whole conversation of like, hey, let's take all this, this information and then put it out there in a format that translates to the suburban setting, where most of the fire service falls into that rural, suburban, limited staffing setting. And even in some of your smaller cities, like where I work now, our typical staffing on the engine is three. And uh, so you don't show up with five dudes on a rig. You don't show up, you know, uh, with a, a ladder company right behind you all the time. And so that's kind of what kind of the the motivation, the passion was like, hey, let's take all this information and and share that from a kind of the spin of the suburban setting. I love and, it. And make it. I talk it about well. it all the time. I mean, all these, oh. you know. When you think about who's teaching on the circuit, most of the guys come from big cities, right? Because they're allowed to take the permissions because they have, have the pedigree, they have the experience, and it allows them to go out and teach. A lot of guys from smaller cities, smaller departments have so much to share 
but they just don't feel like they have the pedigree or experience to go out and share, and so they don't. The problem is, though, is we have guys that run in departments that rural water supply. They don't have hydrants. And a lot of sure. the guys that are teaching are talking about five, six-man engine companies and, you know, a hydrant on every block, you know, or every 300 feet or, like, all these different things. And it's like now you take that back to Main Street USA in Kentucky where you got two guys in a commercial chassis engine with no hydrants in town and you're teaching them tactics and strategies and considerations for the fire ground that just don't represent what they do. And so we have to be very careful then on how we deliver that message because it's very different across the board. And people that lack experience and lack know-how can try to adopt these more urban tactics to their own playbook. It's not going to, it's not going to equal well. It's not going to equate well. Yeah, no, that's a fact. And, you know, I mean, Sean and I both kind of cut our teeth in that suburban setting, you know, up in the fire service. And it was like, you know, not that those things don't have value. You know, we talk about BES or we talk about, you know, vertical ventilation or all these things, but, but a lot of times our, our staffing pool, kind of dictated what we could or couldn't do. Right. You know, it, it kind of became one of those things where, you know, yeah, we we may use VES, but it may be a different scenario than, you know, the outside vent guy at FBNY, you know, making a, a window from a fire escape on the 10th floor. Uh, it just looks different, right? And and sometimes, you know, ventilation is is creative because we just don't have the staffing to be like, hey, we got, you know, we have a dedicated truck company going to the roof right behind us. Well, if, if you don't have that, how do you how do you make do? That's, that's the name. Make do suburban that's fireman right. podcast. I love it. So. Kyle, they let you play on this at all or no? I have nothing to do with uh, the uh, make do on this one. Do no. they do they even let you like talk at all? Like, do you, have they ever invited you on, or are you just an outcast? I'm just an outcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. I'm putting them I'm on the spot right now. Do you, Nick? Do you guys right. bring guests on, or is it just we, you we and do. Sean stroking each other? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, we, we we do bring we do bring guests on. Well, in fact, I screwed up the timing today. Riley coming on this afternoon. That's uh, right. Got Jeremy Mathis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I screwed up the timing <laughs> today, so you know, Nick was like, "I'm not." Listen, I got my own show to do, man. I'm not like adjusting for you. So anyway, listen, talk to me a little bit about you guys, dude. Kyle, give me a little background on the relationship of you two, because really, how this all came about was. We're talking about the 2024 North Florida Fire Expo that the two of you have very much a lot to do with. Um, and this is a conference that's going to be down in the Panhandle of Florida on February from February 7th to 10th in uh, 2024. Um, it's loading up fast. I'm watching it on social media. A lot of the classes are sold out already. Um, if you're just coming to the game now and learning about this expo, you need to be there. There's a lot of big names, good people going to be there to spread the word. Kyle, how did this all come about for you and Nick, man? So Nick and I met through social media. Uh, I got my start in the fire service in Missouri. Now I'm in Wisconsin. Uh, Nick and I are two hours apart, but I'm in a suburban fire department just outside of Waukesha. So the two or three-man engine companies, two-man trucks, you know, all that stuff was like resonates. And we met on social media, right? You see North Florida Fire Expo. You see all these conferences. You see the people that are sharing articles, uh, Sean Duffy, and so we were actually at the Revolutionary Fire Tactics at the Lake Conference uh, two or three years ago now. And we were taking the Water Thieves class put on by Andy Succodato. Rock star, by and, the way. Huge fan yeah. of his. Yeah. And there was, I remember being a hot day. We were just kind of in the middle of like downtime, right? Stuff was being readjusted. So we we're sitting there talking. And about, uh, another friend of ours, Nick and I, Eric, were chit chatting all of a sudden. It's like, wait, you're Nick Pepper. He goes, yeah, man, how's it going? And I'm like, holy crap, how's it going? And so we ended up like actually meeting face to face, kind of accidentally being in the same class. 
and he was talking about North Florida Fire and like, oh man, I, said, I need to come down and, and take that class. And uh, around that same time, I started becoming a staffer for Revolutionary. And then uh, Nick and I were talking and he's like, man, I guess I need some help down here. And I was like, I'll come down and help. Like, nice. Uh, let me let me register for some classes and come down and help. And he goes, no, nah, just come on down. And so uh, uh, Nick was nice enough last year to let me come down and help him with uh, the conference, with the logistics and just the background stuff. And then the classes, I would just kind of jump in a little bit here and there, pick up what I could, get some videos, pictures, and uh, just take notes basically for uh, later on. And that's how it kind of came to be. And, you know, Nick living two hours north, which isn't that far in Wisconsin, really. Um, and so now I'm heading back down and we got some other people that came on to give us a hand. And that's kind of the short version. This is a massive undertaking. Conferences are not easy to put together. It's one thing to go and be an attendee because you get to swoop in, enjoy the benefits of all the hard work on everybody else. And then you get to pick up and go home. If you're a part of it and you're in the backdrop and you're trying to help out or you're one of the guys that are helping, it's a huge deal. But the guys that coordinate and put it together, that's a whole nother level, man. That's a lot of work that goes into it. You got to be passionate about what it's all about. When we when we came down, I wrote down with Nick's dad. So the first time I meet Nick's dad is in my driveway at 3 a.m. Now you a road trip to Florida. 20-hour trip or something, right? So... Something More, like that. Yeah, yeah, right. And like 18 hours, something like, and we're just going through. Uh, we get down there and it was like, let's take a nap. And now we have to hit the door running because Nick's already been here for three or four days. And there's a lot to do, a lot to reorganize because Nick's no longer living down there. So now it's redeveloping relationships. It's okay, this part and this stuff was here, but it got moved at some point. So now we got to find it. And so it was, you know, days of, you know, 18 hour work days, getting a couple hours of sleep and then continuing on. So that way when students pull in, everything is smooth. They don't want to see and they don't care that there is some hardship in the back in the background. They don't care. They're there to learn and they're there to socialize and they don't want to deal with all the stuff that we're dealing with on the back end. It's the experience. I mean, what I find is with the best conferences, you don't feel any of the any of the struggle that's happening. I mean, nothing ever goes smooth. There's always going to be issues. It's the guys that are running the conference. It's how well they can adjust, adapt, call an audible, make something happen out of nothing because you have to, because ultimately it's about the experience for the attendee. You know, you got guys that are coming there and they're spending their hard earned money. A lot of times they're, they're going on their own dollar. They're not going on the department's dollar. And so they had, they're spending their hard earned money in trust, that what they're going for is going to exceed their expectations. And and for when you throw a conference, it's super important to maintain that line, to understand that, right, Nick? I mean, you got you to gotta know that the delivery of what you're putting together has to exceed the expectations of what they are looking for. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and this is our fifth year, and, and, and I'd be lying if I tell you that we didn't hit some some bumps in the road and turbulence along the All way. All the time. Every every year has been a learning curve. Um, and, you know, this thing started very uh, – <laughs> it wasn't even ever intended to be uh, an ongoing conference. It was supposed to be a one-time thing to raise money uh, for a member of ours that had cancer. And we had such great feedback from the first year. Guys were like, hey, you're going to do another one. You're going to do another one. And so that's kind of how uh, it, it morphed into what is year, year five now, our fifth anniversary. Um, but, but you know, we, we really learned uh, as we went along, you know, you, like you said, you go to conferences as a student, 
Uh, that's one thing. Uh, and you see these things. And so we would take little bits and pieces of like, hey, we like this at this conference. We like this at that conference. Um, and, and that's all well and good. But when you realize how much logistical work goes into behind the scenes, like you, you never see that stuff as a student a lot of times. Uh, even as an instructor, you know, I can tell you, like teaching at conferences as an instructor, you don't even realize sometimes the amount of just legwork and, and struggle that goes on behind the scenes uh, logistically to get everything where it needs to be uh, to to get people. You know, here's the thing, you know, you show up at a conference and as an instructor and you expect X, Y, Z uh, logistical needs like supplies. Right. And and so what a lot of times people don't realize is behind the scenes, you're bartering with people to get apparatus. You're of course you're talking to this vendor or that vendor, and they're supposed to show up with X amount of hose and X amount of nozzles and X amount of hand tools or whatever. And and you know what happens when that audible gets thrown and they show up and like, hey, we got half of what you asked for. Or what happens when the department that says you could use their pumper the day before says, Hey, we had a, a truck break, we got to use this pumper for an in-service rig, and now you're scrambling at 10 p.m. <laughs> to find a to find another rig or to find more holes or whatever the case may be. And that, and all that stuff is, is true story. Like that happens. And uh, you know, the staff that works behind the scenes on these things, I can tell you, it is uh, it is a labor of love because like Kyle said, uh, most of our staff, you know, 18 hour days, uh, if, if not more, there was, there was many nights where it's, we're wrapping up our, our staff meeting at one in the morning and guys are back up at three 30, four o'clock and, and we're hitting the road and let's, let's go. Uh, and that starts months ahead of time. It starts weeks, you know, uh, boots on the ground. We're typically boots on the ground at least a week before the event, um, you know, getting stuff in place. And then as guys come in, it's, it's you know, divide and conquer. Hey, you get this here, you get that there. Uh, and then just making sure stuff runs smoothly during the event because there's always hiccups, right? There's always going to be hiccups. Uh, we experienced that in year number three. We had, you know, we never had any injuries before that. And we had two in one day. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you're like, you know, all these little bridges that if you don't cross ahead of time, you find yourself reacting instead of being proactive. Yeah, for sure. But it's also having a background, right? I mean, just the, the everything in place so that if something does happen, part of planning is that what if, right? And and like you never want anybody to get injured. But when we're doing hands on on the fire ground, inevitably somebody's going to get something in their eyes. Somebody's going to smash a finger. Somebody's going to get cut like something's going to happen, right? So just having insurance in place, right? The proper yeah. procedures for reporting, right? Like those are all things that like logistically people don't think about. Students, not stu I hate saying students because they're not students. They're attendees. They're people that want to be there, you know, to better themselves, right? Sure. They're there. They don't think about the logistics, just getting a bottle of water at each station for people, right? Like the logistics that go into throwing a conference, I'm telling you, I'm looking at doing it now. There's something on the horizons that I want to get that we're going to, we're going to do that uh, is a little bit different than anything else on the market. And I'm looking at the size and scope of this and I'm literally contemplating, is it worth doing? I mean, it is just consuming. Ice. Ice is a huge ice. factor. Where do you get the ice? How do you get the ice? How well, do don't do it in Florida, Florida then. <laughs> you guys do it in February. You do it in West. Why. Yeah, you do it in Wisconsin. <laughs> up by you, you're gonna be looking for heating. You know. But ice, just simple things like ice, right? It's it's the little things that people take for granted sometimes. Uh, and and when you're talking about getting, you know, four or five hot sites and and getting all that stuff, it sounds simple, right? Bottled water and ice. But we're talking literally pallets of water yeah. getting dispersed over periods of days. We're yeah. talking, you know, getting ice two or three times during the day, having people that can facilitate on site. 
but also people that can be runners that, that all they do is go and get stuff. And, you know, we, we run kind of uh, a, a pseudo ICS structure is how it's kind of set up because I learned the first couple of years, I'll tell you right now, like I, I try to do everything like yeah. involved with everything. Yep. And uh, I was wore out. Like I couldn't answer the phone fast enough. Um, and there was one day, and this is where the, the moment of realization of like, Hey, we got to break this up a little bit better. <laughs> so instead of having your hand on everything is like having lead people to take care of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and not trying to be involved with everything in, in really it was, I had 162 phone calls in less than 18 hours. It's awesome. And I was like, That's this awesome. is nuts. This is dumb. <laughs> and, you know, instructors call in, uh, team members call in, uh, vendors call in, you know, what do we do this? You know, and finally I realized like, hey, you got to have, have people. <laughs> and you just got to trust those people and let them run with it. Because it's, it's one of those things, if you try to do everything yourself, it turns into a mess real quick. And, yeah. and like, that was a learning curve. Like, again, never having run a conference, uh, you know, year number two, also we went from, you know, 50, 60 people showing up to, oh man, we got 160 people show up, you know, that's a big leap. And, and I don't think we realized how, how important is it, it was to have people in place that can answer questions that can field. Uh, I felt like Moses, man, you know, yeah, Moses and his father-in-law, like, Hey man, you're trying to judge all the people by yourself. Like divvy it up, share the load. I 50 to 60 to 160 is not a, it's not a leap, man. That's like a, you know, that's like another continent. You know what I'm saying? Like that is, that is a massive undertaking this year's conference. What's it shaping up? How many people are looking at this year? Uh, we're, I mean, right now we're, we're sitting right around that 150 mark. Okay. So, um, you know, but we got time obviously for registration. Um, you know, I think we'll, we're, we're aiming for 200. I think Great. that's, you know, like, so we're not a big, a big market, but uh, the quality's there. And I think that's Bro, what 200 uh, we, we people really is a good size conference, especially when you're doing hands-on and you got to logistically shuffle people around like that. That is a big conference. That's a lot of people. Now, coming into the year, I think that was kind of our goal. It's like, we want to hit that 200 mark, um, you know, and that's, I think it's doable. I think it's, it's, you know, for, for the logistics staff that we have, it's kind of, it's like a sweet spot where yeah. we got to, enough people to fill classes and it to be a, a great experience. Uh, but it's still a very manageable, you know, for the team to be able to kind of logistically handle uh, at the, the, the four sites that we have in, in the hotel and everything. And uh, it's a good number, like I said, and, and, and I think that what we really prided ourselves on over the last five years is that experience, right? We want it to be an experience from the minute they step foot uh, on the beach there to the minute they leave. And we want to focus, our, our focus really has been quality over quantity all day, every day twice on Sunday because uh, people remember those experiences, right? They, they take back that stuff and say, man, I had a blast, you know? And, and the nice thing about being a smaller conference, if you will, is that there's a lot more intimate conversations that take place with the instructors and the students yeah. more one-on-one time to hone skills. They're getting more reps than they would, you know, maybe some of the bigger venues where it's kind of rushing a bunch of people through. Um, so that's something that, you know, we've really, uh, I think the feedback we've got over the last five years has been, and we really appreciate how intimate the the setting is where people feel like they can mingle and talk and learn and the after hours part of it. Uh, it, it's, it is, it's a huge part of the conference experience. And, you know, that's something that I think when, when people are, like you said, spending their own money to be there, uh, they don't want to just take a class. They want the whole experience. They want to get there and have, you know, the energy that is the social events and the, and all the cool, you know, experiences in the hallways, talking to different guys mm-hmm. and sitting over a, a cold drink and, and sharing those experiences, man, that is, that is invaluable. And sometimes some of the best learning 
takes place in that informal setting. Like Without a doubt. In the class. Without, well, Kyle mentioned it before, right? He was there and, oh, hey, that's Nick Pepper. Like, I, I I know that guy. Like, let me say hello, you know? And, and boom, mm-hmm. a friendship's created. And now, you know, Kyle's a part of the conference. Like, those informal meetings, if you will, are invaluable to all of it, I think. It's the experience. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's where a lot of my friendships from the fire service outside of my area have stemmed from. Yeah. A lot of it comes back to two things, uh, David Woodward's RFT conference and the fools. Those are the two places where I've gotten to meet everybody, you know, yourself and Rob and Rob at RFT. I met you at FDIC a couple of times running around like, Oh, I recognize that face. We bumped into each other, been to these conferences. And even if it's just a quick hello, it's like, yeah, I know who that is. Okay, great. Nice to see you. And that's, you know, it's great to be able to text somebody, hey, I'm dealing with this yeah. professionally, personally. I ran into this situation. I've never seen this before. I have no idea, you know. And so that's where that all kind of comes from. So then you get all these, uh, all the attendees coming in and they're bringing in their stuff into classes. You know, Nick and I both teach at our local in our local areas as well. And so, you know, I'll be talking with an instructor from out of state, like, hey, I, I'm a student. I can't figure out how to reach this person. I don't understand the hang up here. I'm looking at it. I just don't know how to change it. Oh, try this. And that might see if that helps it yeah. work for me or this person. And so, like, it's, you know, this it's a big community is what it is. And that's just what we're trying to put on. Yeah, I think it's cool. I Also, too, you know, there's this... Um... Guys get up in front of the class and they're lecturing. They travel all over. They speak at different conferences. And it's almost like, you know, sometimes they get put in a different lane than everyone else. But in fact, they're just like everyone else. And so when they can spend an hour or three-hour lecture, whatever it is, up front, or you're doing the hot classes and it's a guy that's teaching forcible entry, to be able to grab that time later that night or the next morning having coffee or a cold beer at night or whatever it is, and you can continue the conversation or, hey, I was in your lecture earlier today, man. I really dug it, you know. You can you can have this grounded conversation because all these guys that do this are grounded for the most part. And so you can have just everyday conversations with them where, you know, like Kyle said, you've developed these relationships that last much longer than what the conference is. And I think that's the the upside value that needs to be talked about more. Getting out and going to these conferences, it's one thing to make yourself smarter, better, quicker, faster, whatever it is, right? But it's also the other side of things too, where you get to develop and grow these relationships with people that you would have never had access to before. And now you have that ability, especially when you get out and put yourself out there. It's a freaking win, man. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and her crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom designed one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on, and they provide nothing but top-shelf product and service to their customers check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering they've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the national fire radio podcast and platform and taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours and we appreciate the support and at checkout for a little extra bonus use coupon code nfr sent me that's nfr sent me for a discount on your order exclusions do apply anyway check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather.
This episode is brought to you by the Affordable Standpipe Prop. Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a four-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart and manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. So this year, let's break it down. What are we doing? You got info in, you got info in front of you? You got it all up at top in the brain? Like, what are we doing? Who's coming? Who's talking? What classes? What's still open? What's already closed? The guys were sleeping and missed? What, what's this looking like this year? So, uh, you know, we, we really, some big changes, I think from last year to, or the last four years to this year is we went from three days for the conference to four days. Uh, and, and part of that was, uh, we wanted to have a little bit more time for people to not be, you know, just this rapid fire. Uh, we wanted more time to mingle. We wanted more time for socials. We wanted more time uh, for learning. And and so in the past, we've always had, you know, first day was like big room lectures. And then the second day was breakout sessions and, you know, hands-on class, which is always a, a big issue, right? Competing, like, where, do I take a lecture class? Do I take a hands-on class? And so uh, sometimes, you know, it, it hurt attendance in both because guys are back and forth on what they want to take. Uh, and then day three was always hands-on. So this year we went to uh, four days with day one being our big room session, day two being our uh, breakout sessions. Uh, day three, we do have a chief officer track, but everything else is hot classes. Uh, and then day four is all hands on. And then what it did for us is allowed us to have a little more uh, social opportunities from, uh, you know, round tables to doing, you know, we're going to try to do some live podcasting down there, hopefully is, is the aim. Uh, we've got the vendor show, which is is shaping up to be a really great time. Uh, raffle party, whatever you want to call it. We'll have live music, uh, you know, and, and some some a full bar set up. It's going to be it's just going to be a, it's going to be a blast. Honestly, I mean, we put a lot into that uh, to really show our sponsors, our vendors, sure. their appreciation. Um, and, and it's one of those things that, you know, they, they spend a lot of money to be there. And we want to make sure that they get that experience too, to be able to mingle and talk to people. And uh, so that was, it was a big hit three, uh, three years ago. I think we did it two years ago. We started doing it. 
and it was a big hit. The vendors loved it. The students, you know, the, our attendees loved it. Uh, it was a great time, and we kind of added layers to it over the last couple of years uh, to try to make it better. So that's going to be a good time. And then, like I said, we usually have a kickoff or a uh, end of conference bash, if you will, at the end, like firemanship bash uh, last night. And that is basically everybody gets together and it's our, our kind of raise a glass and uh, celebrate an awesome conference. So uh, that's in a nutshell, that's the format. We got four days, like I said, two lecture, two hot. Um, there is a ton of social stuff going on in between every evening. Uh, there's things to do. And then uh, the great thing about it is it's on the beach. Yeah. And it's all it's all one of those things. That, hey, if you want to go to the you want to go to the round table. Great. If not, if you want to go grab a drink and hang out with your wife on, at the hot tub or the pool or going on the beach. I mean, that's cool, too. Um, it's very family friendly. There's a ton of family stuff to do right there. A lot of guys bring their wife and kids and enjoy the beach. I mean, you're right there. You can throw a rock in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, from the hotel, yeah. which is awesome. Um, so it's it's one of those things, you know, like I said, the experience from start to finish is very much a interactive experience. Uh, the 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 first day we've got Rob was coming from Echelon Front. He's our keynote speaker this year. Um, probably the most excited I've been about a keynote maybe ever because it's such a, a deviation from yeah. what you typically see in a fire setting. Um, it was a big leap <laughs> to reach out to Echelon Front with Jocko and all those guys and be like, hey, uh, would you guys be interested in being involved with this? And of course, you know, for enough money, you can get any, well, anybody you right. want. Yep. But when you tell them you're a poor fireman and you don't have a ton of money, <laughs> some, some guys like, uh, no, we can't do that. But uh, they were, they were accommodating. They were understanding of our cause. And uh, what I love about Rob is, so Rob is a double amputee, was uh, blown up in, in the Middle East uh, during a tour of duty out there in the Marines. Um, and just a story of resilience. Uh, the guy gets his legs blown off. He's this 20 something young, you know, up and coming dude that should have been an officer and should have been in all these, you know, uh, kind of should have had a great career, right. Should have had an amazing career in the Marines and, uh, had everything going for him. And then he gets blown up by an ID and he's laying in the hospital bed. And I don't want to give too much away, but essentially he's like, you know, feeling sorry for himself. He realizes like, wait, he looks to the left or the right of him and realize there are people in worse conditions than him. Yeah. And he wasn't going to let life circumstances beat him down. And so his story is one of resilience, one of like, Hey, he bounces back. The dude runs like 31 marathons in 31 days uh, with no legs, yeah. uh, goes to special Olympics, starts doing all this stuff to basically uh, motivate people and, and show people like, Hey, uh, sometimes life throws you curveballs. Sometimes you get dealt lemons, but, uh, you, you know, you can overcome this stuff. You, as long as you got breath in your lungs, man, like keep fighting, keep pushing. And so to have Rob come in and, and keynote. Yeah. It's exciting. Us, uh, echelon front. Anybody's familiar with with the brand and what they do uh, top notch in the leadership category. And we felt like um, leadership is leadership, regardless of the industry it's in. And, and to have somebody that has, uh, you know, maybe a different background than the fire service to come and share some things that they've learned in the military and in life and in business uh, since then, I thought that was a really good, a really good way to kind of just meet people in a different place. You know, a lot of times people come into conferences and they have this expectation that, XYZ, you know, big name fire service instructor is going to deliver this, this message. Um, and we just want to do something different for year number five. We wanted to do something that we felt like um, is, is captivating in the sense that it's not the same fire service stories. It's not the same, uh, you know, and nothing against the guys that we've had in the past. Like we've had some amazing keynotes, right? but to, but to have someone from an industry that I think like, you know, Aaron Fields and I had this conversation a while back, you know, uh, a lot of the nozzle four stuff, they, they took a lot of mechanical applications from wrestling and things like that. And sometimes we get pigeonholed in the fire service to only consider 
fire stuff. But there's so many things that we can take from the military, from other trades, other crafts that actually that actually benefit us in the fire service. And so that's kind of the direction we went with that. As far as the the rounding out the day one uh, sessions, we got Cody Trestrail coming in uh, to deliver a knockout punch in the afternoon. We got Anthony Avillo uh, finishing out the morning session. He's uh, actually our first keynote ever. Uh, for year number one was Chief Avillo, so he's going to be uh, talking tactics and strategies uh, that right after Rob Jones in the morning, and then that evening we're going to do a roundtable, uh, kind of get some of our guys that are present, uh, going to kind of do an hour long roundtable and give people a chance to, hey, let's just grab a drink and and have some some candid conversations with these guys, and uh, so that's day one. Day two, uh, we've got breakout sessions, and we've got essentially four sessions at a time going on, so we got four different rooms. Uh, so the students have a lot of options. They have a lot, of, a lot to choose from, and it's everything from, uh, you know, engine work, truck work, RIT, uh, Mayday, you know, uh, leadership. There's, there's a ton of, a ton of greats. And I'll pull up the the flyer here because I don't want to miss anybody here. But I mean, uh, I'll on the list here, and and just for sake of of anybody listening that might be interested, you know, we got, uh, you know. Jason Joanides out of South Carolina doing some ladder company operations. You know, Clay McGee's doing the ins and outs of forcible entry. Uh, Rob Backer, anybody who's ever taken Rob's class, The Art of Reading Smoke, is, in my opinion, one of the the utmost important classes for company officers to take uh, for size up, uh, plain and simple. Uh, Jason Liska, the can man himself, uh, going to be doing some podcasting with us, I think. Uh, also uh, going to be doing his leadership class, What They Don't Teach You. It's kind of a look at mentorship, leadership, and how uh, to reach our people better. Uh, Chris Nam is coming to do a, uh, re- uh, reading a building. Uh, it's a building construction size up class, uh, from one of the best in the business. The guy is when it comes to building construction, one of the absolute best I've ever run into. Um, LJ Geist is going to be there doing tailboard leadership. Uh, anybody that's familiar with LJ, LJ knows that, uh, he's, he's quite the, uh, you know, quite the deliverer of, of, you know, just getting down and dirty with leadership from the tailboard position of like, Hey, how do you, you know, we get guys all the time complaining about, Oh, I'm just a fireman. I can't do anything to change anything in my organization. And I think that uh, he kind of dispels some of those myths, right? We lead where we are uh, and you can do a lot, even from the tailboard. So uh, Aaron Fields is going to be doing his drilling for drilling for function lecture. Um, Great, great lecture there. Drew uh, Goings doing hustle and flow. Got Jeremy Sanders coming in to do maximizing our impact. Uh, Jeremy, of course, is with Crew First Culture. Uh, Randy Feltner um, is doing his "You Got Bugles Now What" lecture. Um, Randy's got a cool story. Randy died in the line of duty, technically, and they resuscitated him. He he had a uh, massive uh, heart attack, died on duty. His crew actually worked him, mm. resuscitated him, and one of the most incredible stories uh, of just. It was his aha moment. Like God gave him a second chance, right? And it made him realize like all the things that uh, his priorities, his values, and all this stuff. Kind of was like a gut check to him. And so now he's he's sharing literally from the heart. Um, one of the most uh, just just a story of like, hey, you know, all the things that we think are important sometimes uh, aren't as important as we like. You know, yeah, our own I get it. Sometimes get in the way. So it's a cool story. Uh, awesome class. Adam Haywood coming out of Colorado doing gas powered forcible entry. Uh, we've got uh, Jared Renshaw coming to do a fire chief's guide to surviving local politics. Uh, him and Anthony Villo and then Chief Candace Ashby uh, are all going to be part of the chief officers track on day three. Uh, and and then we got uh, Dave McGlynn talking about uh, passion and leading. 
and Kyle Sampson is doing um, you know, Mind of Fire. So that's a lot, right? That's a that's a huge slate of of lectures, and and I go over them individually just because I think that each one of those classes, uh, when we're looking as a committee, we we have a ton of class proposals to look sure, through, sure, and trying to pick classes that you know fit multiple genres, multiple aspects from firefighting to you know chief officer stuff to leadership the mentorship to engine and truck and everything in between we want to get a good spread of classes and so uh the, the committee did an amazing job you know good. going through it's hard it's hard it's hard to tell people no and so uh to get this lineup in year number five is amazing uh like i said for hands-on we've got some some nozzle forward going on day three and day four with the aaron fields and those guys uh Nelms fire company Daniel and Trey Nelms are coming to do uh, get trucked up under live fire uh, truck company operations class. We've got Tyler Whitfield doing the grab factory. Uh, those guys out of Clearwater. Zach Bruins coming in from Oklahoma doing the professional load. Uh, Rick George, uh, I'm going to just talk about this real quick, is doing the developing high performance class backed by popular demand. Last year, it was a knockdown, like just, just one of the, the, the best classes I've ever yeah. witnessed at the expo. Uh, Rick and, and the developing high performance crew uh, are some of the most raw, real, and just passionate dudes I've ever met in uh, life-changing class, getting to watch that class unfold. And Kyle has a story about this uh, we can get into in a second, but, but it, it is truly a life-changing class and, and really one that uh, I think every firefighter should try to do at least once. Um, but uh, Billy Brideson, Mastering the Mayday, those guys with Third Alarm uh, Fire Training. Uh, Andy Starnes, Insight Training, coming in to do tactical thermal imaging under live fire. And then finally rounding out uh, the, the hands-on, we've got Man versus Machine, uh, Mark Gregory, PL Vulcan. Uh, those guys from the FDNY, uh, that, that area up there, coming down to do uh, the Man versus Machine class. So that's that's it for all the classes. Um, that's it. But, that that's what we get. That's what we got. Uh, it's yeah, a listing. Of yeah, it's wild. It's a hell of a lineup. It's yeah. it's. Uh, we wanted year five to be amazing, and I think it is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, I mean, too. yeah. Go ahead, please. Sorry. Well, sorry, Nick. Nick and I talked about it. We had over two hundred people put in for classes. Wow. And a lot of them are huge names that we said no to that we have seen in other places, but we're looking at it going. How do we make all of this work so that way we're not doing six nozzle classes or seven education, right? And going through and saying, well, what would we what was some of our feedback from last year? So whittling it down to this list, and there's some discussion in those committees, like, what about this person? Well, I know this person pretty well. I don't know that person really well, but this class is really well. Let's see how they do. It's that kind of that toss-up, like, you know, you're gonna always gonna have those wild, the wild card of do we or do we not? Um, and I think, like, I'll talk about LJ Geis. I know LJ out of Kansas. I think uh, he was, like, one of the first or second, Nick, you probably know. He was one of the first classes sold out was that class, which, which surprised me. And LJ is a friend, but I didn't expect his class to be one of the first to sell out. You know, usually it's a hot class. Usually it's something like Rick George's or Nozzle Forward. And to see that was amazing, which means, like, man, these people are really up and coming. It was really good to see. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, LJ is a rock star, and not only just for him, but it also goes to show, too, I bet I would be very interested to see as the class is sold out what the priority was. And I think what we're finding is a lot of people are looking for more of that informal, how do I navigate the system? I think people are looking for more of that 
peer-on-peer type support and leadership. You know, people are looking for direction in the firehouse. It's easy on the fire ground because as long as we're training them, it's easy. What's not easy is the informalness of how do I act, behave, how do I navigate, how do I handle these situations, or I need support. I'm not getting what I'm looking for at my in my own zip code. And I think that's a very big part of it, right? The people that are coming to your conference, the 200 people that are lined up to come to your conference registered and they're going to show up, it's because they want to be there. Those are the people that don't need these classes. They need them for their own personal growth, but the fire service needs those other guys that aren't coming. Those are the ones that need to come, you know? And so that informal tailboard leadership co- class It makes sense. It makes sense to me why so many people want that because they need it because they not they're not getting it in their own zip code. Hundred percent. Then I'll say this: um, you know, we we had people last year um, at the end of that developing high performance class in tears, saying, "Man, like this changed my life. Like this changed my my I know it outlook on my career." And Kyle, you know, I don't know if you want to share the story uh, with one of your coworkers being there, but. Uh, you know, it was kind of one of those last minute getting in the class. Like, I don't know if I could do it. Like, I don't know if I should do it. Uh, but afterwards, like, just thank you for pushing me to get in this class. Thank you for, uh, making this available because, uh, it really did, you know, it's just one of those classes that humbles you. Right. And it puts you in a, sp- a, a spot where you realize how awesome the responsibility it is to, to take that torch back to your firehouse, to, to take it back and to be a better version of yourself to lead where you're at, to, to help others improve. And it's so much more than just a, a, a technical class, right? It's one thing to do technical skills and fire ground operations or, or, or PT or whatever. Um, it's so much more than that. It's about being a better person. Well, and Rick does a great job. Like before, before she was in the class or it was in, in the process of being transitioned to that class, I met Rick and his cadre with your dad uh, the one morning just to get things set up. And I walk in and Rick sees me and Rick is, you know, he's a shorter guy, but he is not a guy I'd want to mess with at all. And walks in, he just looks at you like he stares into your soul a little bit. And he goes, brother with that mustache is a great responsibility. And I'm like, I better shave this thing off right now because I just got scared talking to I you for that. 10 seconds. And he comes up and he gives me a hug, like just a true, like hard hug. Never met this guy, honestly, until Rick was, or until uh, Nick was talking about this class. I didn't know Rick George. I didn't know about the tactical resiliency. I knew nothing about him, right? The fire service is huge. And I had no idea who he was. And instantly walking into their Airbnb, talking with his cadre for two or three minutes, all just, you can tell, solid, dialed-in guys, you were part of that family. Just instantly, you were part of that family, and now you're all brothers. And it was like, like that is a true testament to the class we're going to put on to be able to bring you in an outsider. They have no idea who I am. I could be I could be a, a garbage human. They have no idea. And they just instantly brought you into that. Um, and so one of my coworkers, she came down to do the to do the class. I didn't know about it until a few days before that she was coming down. And uh, we had an opening that came up. So Nick goes, hey, would Amber be interested in taking this class? Like, I, I'll ask. I don't know. So I reached out like, hey, there's this class opening. Um, here's what I know about it. And I think it'd be a good fit for you. Do you want to do it? And she goes, well, there's some back and forth of, you know, what the class is about. Is it worth it? And all of that. Uh, so she ends up coming into the class. 
and she ended up being the first female to actually come to do the class and to finish it. And I mean, she's a, she's a small, uh, small framed, uh, firefighter, but you know, she's got a big heart. She, her drive doesn't quit and they come in and they, you know, first thing in the morning is that PT, right? But then there's a lot of the mental health aspect and dealing with things. Um, talk about yoga. They not to give a whole lot away, but they talk about some mental health stuff in there that I don't care who you are. Rick George starts talking to you about mental health. And you start taking a step back going, okay, this is serious. This is something worth talking about. And I guarantee you, you do not get uncomfortable until you're sitting there listening to their story. They go, okay, there's definitely some things to take away from this. Um, And I honestly, I think there's such key points that you got to sit in that class for. Um, They bring a guy in, they call uh, the Viking, uh, Eric uh, Brenneman, I think his last name is. Big, huge beard. Um, works in the fire industry now on the on the vendor side of things. Him and his wife do the whole yoga and the stretching and the slowing things down. So they put you in some very uncomfortable, very tight situations uh, in the hands-on portions of their classes. And they use the yoga and the mental resiliency to work yourself through those issues and slowing things down to keep the panic from happening. And they talk about NIOSH reports and line-of-duty deaths and why the why did this dialed-in firefighter whose air pack was working, nozzle was working, why is his mask off, separated from his pack, dead, away from the nozzle? Like, what did we do in our training that caused this panic to set in? And they go into all of that and undo a lot of it. Um, and then they they we max that class out to a certain number because there's only so many students per instructor, and they figure out your background, your backstory. And what little things are going to mess with you in that 24 hours uh, to improve all of those. So you lose your cell phone, you lose your watch, you have a heart monitor that sits under your shirt that's tied to a uh, like a wrist watch so they can see your heart rate, they can see your pulse. They max you out early on in the day and they have different uh, vitals on your helmet. So when they're pushing you, they know where you should be. So if your vitals get beyond that, they can dial you back. So that way there's no injuries, there's no you know cause for concern on the physical health side of things. Um, so they're very dialed in. There's a lot kind of going on in the background. Um, but with Amber, like she's not taking it again this year. She thought about it, but she's taking some other ones. But there's a couple other people now because of her taking the class this year coming awesome. down to take it because of that. I've heard nothing but incredible things. And in fact, I met Rick George. Uh, this past year for the first time, and it was a chance encounter at a conference that I was emceeing, and he was uh, he was a speaker, and he got his flight was delayed and all these things. And so uh, he literally taught in his airport travel clothes, like flip-flops, mesh shorts, and a tank top. Like he was, you know, Southern Florida at its best, and he didn't care. And his message was strong, and I've heard nothing but incredible things about that class. And um, he and I... Had never met before. Uh, in fact, he we didn't know each other. I knew of Rick George, obviously the his name, um, but I didn't know who he was. I didn't know his story, um, and so I sat through as the MC and I listened to his class. And then it was only like an hour and a half lecture, or two hour, whatever it was. But then at lunchtime, we ended up crossing paths and uh, and we sat and we talked and uh, we hugged. And it was like he's one of those guys, Kyle. You said it. it's like. Within two, three minutes talking to him, he was looking way into my soul. Like, it's just that 
feeling. And he's a badass dude who would like in a dark alley, that guy would cut your neck, man. Like he'll take you down. You know what I'm saying? But he's a softy though also. And it's just, um, he's an incredible guy with it, with a great message. Um, and I'm grateful for him. And in fact, I just reached out to him not too long ago and said, thank you. Cause he had said some nice words about me at a conference to some other people. And it got back to me and I just called him and I said, brother, thank you. That was very kind. And, uh, and it was just, we shared a moment, which was cool, but that's what this is about, man. Like that, you guys are the stewards of this. When you put together a cast of characters like this to bring messages forward, and do it in a place that, you know, people are starving for it. It's a win. It's an absolute win, man. All that hard work, Nick, right? All the hard work that goes into this, Kyle, like, it's a win when you hear stories like this or those, these success stories that come out of this. Makes a difference, you know? Uh, I think like you realize Nick. it's more than just, it's more than just, uh, you know, delivering a class right it's it's about touching people's yeah. lives keeping them yeah. motivated keep keeping that torch lit um because i can tell you uh, that's you know amber's one of many stories that's right people over the last absolutely years come back and say hey you know what i was really down and, and out you know in my in my career path uh felt like you know i had, I had a guy um last year that, that reached out and said hey you know i was thinking about getting out of the fire service i'd just been really discouraged and burned out and and man, I wasn't going to go to this, but a buddy of mine told me I should go and just, you know, it's, it's affordable and, you know, it's just a few days and I came to the conference, not expecting much. I, I expected just to be talked at, you know, and uh, take a few classes and go home. And he's like, man, it was so much more than that. Yeah. And it just, it just kind of relit that passion, relit that fire. And it's little things like that, man. When you hear that, that just, it makes you realize like the labor of love, all the, the sweat equity, all the, the stress behind the scenes and all the hard work that goes into it is worth it. It's worth it because, you know, it's not, it's not that, you know, I or Kyle or anybody individually did anything. It's collectively, we came together for a common purpose and we brought in people that, that we felt like, uh, uh, you know, are just not just good firefighters, but just good people, people that are going to be able to reignite that passion that are going to be able to help those people learn and grow and be better, you know, not just better firefighters, like I said earlier, better people. And, and I think like that's, when you get a group of people together that share the same fabric, the same makeup of, of why they're doing it, um, great things happen. I couldn't agree with you more. 100%. And Amber's actually the, Amber's the one that designed our five-year logo this year, too. Cool. So, you know, and we, that's, the, that's, what's, that's what's fun, too. I didn't mean to cut you off, Kyle. I just, it, it just dawned on me, though, too. Like, the success of the conference – speaks to how many people are attendees one year and the next year they're helping or being a part of the process, right? Like that's a real testament to what you're building there is that people are people have received so much from it that they want to be a part of it again on a deeper level. Yeah, finding finding people's talents and then elevating those talents or being able to, I don't, I don't want to say use, but it sounds like we're getting use out of it, but like, you find someone who's talented in something outside of the fire service that is beneficial for everybody and say, Hey, do you mind helping with this? Or, I heard about that. Or I saw this and you just see those little things grow. And that's, you know, that's part of that whole social aspect of it as well. People want to be, you say used, but it's good. Like people want to be used for what their worth is. Like if they have skills and it can help promote and push forward a message, they want to be a part of that. Hey, I can do this. I want to be a part of this. I'll bring it to the table for us, you know? 
Yeah, I think Absolutely. it's it's not even so much like you said being used as much as it is being useful. Yeah, like there people, you go. See, people want to be useful, and and when they believe in the cause, when they believe in the mission, um, you know, when you get people with different talents, um, and like like Amber with the graphics, and and I got you know Robert McCullough's been there from year number one. He's he's one of those guys that uh, behind the scenes does a ton of work, and he's extremely talented with uh you know the av stuff and and electronics and he's he's very much the one behind the website he's very much the one behind a lot of the the flyer and all the stuff that gets done behind the scenes um but he's got a talent for it. he's got a knack for it and what's awesome is is like i said because we all are on the same page and understand this is a team effort everybody's got different strong suits everybody's got things that they bring to the table and i think that's the amazing part of it is it's very much a grassroots team but what's amazing over the last few years is that the people that have been, you know, become part of that team that, Hey, you know what? I can do this. What do you think? You know, can I be useful doing this? Can I be, can I help with this? Can I help with that? You know? And I think that's, what's awesome is, is you have people like Amber who came as a student, experienced it. And now she's like, man, I want to help. What can I do to help? This is, you know, this is the stuff that I'm really good at. What, what you know, can you use this? And, and that I think is, is when you, the, 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 the big picture, um, Teams, teams, the best teams, right? Um, utilize everybody's strong suits, right? That's right. And we help each other because there's things that that Kyle does that that frankly he's better than me at, and and you know there may be things that I do that hey I have more insight here, but collectively when we put it all together, when we put all the pieces together, you paint the whole picture, and that's that's what you know. People say I've had people oh like you know are you putting on your conference again? Like this isn't my conference. This is so much bigger than any one individual, so much bigger than me, so much bigger than Kyle or any one person on the team. Again, it's it's believing in something bigger than yourself. It's putting yourself into something because here's the thing. The truth is, like, we're not making money hand over fist. Like, we, we've taken a loss most years. Uh, and frankly, like, that's just part of going in. You just know, like. You're you're not nature of the beast, man. Absolutely, it is. It is, and that's what people need to understand. If if you're thinking about doing something like this, uh, you know, our goal is just to break even. Like we're just trying to break even at the end of the year. And we understand sometimes there's personal skin in the game, uh, and and that's part of it too. Is like if you really want to make something go, sometimes you got to put your own skin in the game and and lay it all out there. Um, But I can tell you that the team collectively uh, is is not a huge team. But the heart of a lion, man, every one of the people involved are fully committed to losing sleep, you know, getting more gray hairs. Like, you know, we get to the end and it's like running a marathon. You get to the end and like Kyle can attest to this. We were packing up last year and then we just had a moment where the last day everybody's getting ready to disperse. And we're just like, whoo, (laughs) everything kind of settles in and you're like, you know what? We did it. But but we're looking around and and there's just that feeling of gratitude and satisfaction. Yeah. And then. And then the other side of it too is nobody wants to go home. Yeah. Because you're in such a good place then, right? It's like, you know, the work has stopped, the work is done. You get to reflect a little bit and you get to understand that what you just did was instrumental in so many different people's careers and in your own personal life, the growth that you get from it. That like I find that a lot on projects I work on and things we do and places we go. When it's time to go home, I'm like I don't want to go home. I like it here, man. Like this is, it's that feeling. It's yeah. that euphoria of, of success in a way. And it defines success. It's different for everyone. For me, it's just feeling fulfilled. It's value, you know, and, and yeah. I'm learning that more and more. And so 
I don't, I get it, man. At the end of the last day, when you guys are all said and done and you get to take a half a breath and look at each other. I mean, it's a job well done. And, and that is yep. that, that will pay dividends a hundred times over any money that you make from a conference. Last last year we had Mike Dugan as our keynote mm-hmm. and we were sitting at the bash. It's the end of the day. The 24 hour class is done. The guys are all there. It's, and we're just exhausted, right? Like we've been going sure. for over a week now, little sleep. Nick was going for two weeks, just running. And I'm standing there, I'm, I'm kind of eating and I get a drink and I'm standing with Mike Dugan and we're kind of talking and we've been hanging out all week and I'm just mentally, I'm checked out. I'm kind of done, but I'm standing here with Dugan of all people. And I look, I apologize. I was like, I said, I said, Cap, I'm sorry. I said, I'm just so spent. I don't even know. I don't even know how to give a conversation right now with you and what to ask you. Like, I am just done. And he just smiles. He goes, brother, we're standing in a beautiful place at the end of an awesome conference, just being brothers. We can just chill. And that was such a load of, oh, yeah, we can just Mm -hmm. stand here and just eat and have a drink and just enjoy the ocean coming in. And that was like kind of like that relaxing, just kind of that load off of, I'm still in the, I got to keep him engaged. I got to keep people engaged, keep things going, keep the conversation rolling. But my brain is just done. And everybody knows I'm a talker. Like my nickname at the firehouse is stories. It's been that way for a while. Just, <laughs> I love that. you know, and I'm fine. I'll embrace it. Whatever. I don't care. I've got, to, I've gotten the, the chance to travel and live in different countries and different States and have a lot of stories and sure. get to do with some really awesome people. Um, but standing with him and I was like, man, I am, I am so sorry. I have nothing. And he was like, let's just take it in. And we did. And just to look around and see everybody kind of mingling and talking and everybody's smiling. Everybody's smiling and happy. Yeah. That was that was it. Bro, you look like you could be Dugan's son, by the way. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Like I was thinking that as soon as you mentioned him, I was like, God, you guys, you could be his son. Like you two hanging in the back of the room. They're probably like, Oh, look at look at father and son over there, you know? (laughs) So I uh I learned a valuable lesson with him, actually. Please. Uh, for the uh, so, in some with the Bruce City Fools out of Milwaukee, we had the 2022 Fools International Convention, and there's a group of us walking back from uh, lunch with Dugan, and he's always looking at buildings. I mean, he is his head is up. We're downtown Milwaukee. He's looking at everything, and there's a building with a uh, fire escape on it, and I know nothing about fire escapes. We don't have them like first, second, third, fourth do like it's not going to happen. <laughs> And he goes, oh, that's kind of weird. The fire escape goes all the way up to the 11th or 12th floor. That's odd. And I could be like, yeah, that's really weird. Just walked off, you know, whatever. And I decided to be the dumb one of the group. Some of us, you know, some really experienced firefighters from Milwaukee and other parts of the country and even within our area. And I go, I don't have fire escapes. What do you mean? And he goes, oh, they only go to the sixth floor typically. And then he goes off on this whole thing about the building and the style and why fire escapes are going. And we end up standing there for 20 minutes, half an hour. And there's, you know, you can see there's pictures of it. And we're standing around just looking. He's pointing at different stuff. And everybody's like, yeah, that was a great question. I was like, I was a, I'm always afraid. Like, I don't want to look stupid. Right. Nobody wants to look stupid. No, right. But I was just kind of in a, in a moment of, I don't know why that's a thing. Like, I, to me, it seems like it makes sense. Right. Fire escape all the way to the top. Everybody jumps out and comes down. Nope. They're for firefighters and goes off on this big lecture talk about buildings and i was like learned so much from that and i was like you know what it's okay to look stupid if, if there's some if there's good intent behind it bro i'm in rooms of smart people every single day and i'm the dumbest guy in the room and i like it that way because <laughs> i'll ask those questions be like hey guys uh what 
what do you mean by that? Right? Like, but that's yep. how that's how it is. Like, I want to learn. I want to surround myself with with really smart people because that's only going to make me better. Um, so I'm glad you asked that question, and I'm sure your father was happy to answer it. So that was that's nice. That's really <laughs> Kyle's definitely, you know, he's 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 a ginger, so he's got to be the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, right? well, you know, genetically, there it is. Listen, you know? we, there's a place for everyone. There's a place for uh, everyone. So anyway, let's wrap this thing. So talk to me. The North Florida Fire Expo, February 7th through 10th, 2024. Where is it in Florida? We didn't even mention that. Yeah, so uh, Okaloosa Island, which is uh, right between Fort Walton Beach and Destin, right okay. there on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, it's going to be at the Hilton Garden Inn uh, as the host hotel. And like I said, you can throw a rock and hit the Gulf of Mexico from the hotel, which is really cool. Uh, beautiful place. Um, but uh, February 7th through the 10th. And for anybody hanging out, the next day uh, is the Super Bowl. So just a little tidbit. Uh, if you're still in town, we're going to have a big Super Bowl party at the staff Airbnb. Uh, so if anybody wants to come hang out, drink a beer, have some wings, cool. watch football, that'll be a good time. Uh, I will say this too, a little plug uh, for the classes that are still open. Um, all of our hands-on classes have sold out with the exception of our two four-hour classes, which is Mastering the Mayday uh, and the Professional Load. They still have a few spots left. So if you're looking for hands-on, uh, jump on that. And I will throw this out. This is the first time we've announced this. Uh, so right here with you. Live! Uh, yeah, God. So, uh, you know, we we actually have, uh, we're going to open up eight more spots for Nozzle Ford. Awesome. Eight more spots for Nozzle Ford. So uh, you're hearing it here first. This is the first place that we've announced it. But uh, that is something that I've uh, been talking to. Aaron and trying to, you know, work out logistics and make sure we got, you know, people and things like that uh, in place. So we are going to open up eight more spots for Nozzle Ford, uh, which is a big deal, right? Because that's one of the classes that obviously is full yep. anywhere you go. Yep. Um, and then also opening up some more spots in uh, LJ Geist class. So we're going to be opening up spots for LJ Geist for anybody that uh, missed out on that, that wants to get in. We've been able to shift some things around and get a little more venue space. Um, awesome. And so we're going to open up some seats for that. So those are two big announcements. But uh, as far as hands-on, the two four-hour classes and then the eight spots that we're announcing today that we're opening up in Nozzle Ford. And then as far as lectures go, there's still plenty of great lectures to choose from. There's a few that are sold out. Um, but but there's, for the most part, we got lecture spots open. Uh, and there's an amazing group of people to, to come learn from. Uh, if you're a chief officer, because we get this a lot too, you know, all the fire conference, that's, that's you know, blue collar that's fireman stuff you know i'm a chief what am i going to learn we we specifically opened the chief officers track this year on day three for our our chief officers or soon to be chiefs guys that are aspiring to get in you know maybe you're a lieutenant or captain yeah. on the battalion chief yeah. list or you're already a chief but uh chief avillo chief ashby and chief renshaw are going to be sharing a very informal setting very much a workshop setting um, intimate where you can ask questions, you can bounce things off each other. And what's cool about it is collectively between the three of them, there's like 120 years of fire service experience uh, coming to the conference and, and specifically hitting issues that are important to chief officers from, from a leadership perspective, from a, you know, department uh, perspective, politics, dealing with city hall, whatever the case be. So if you're a chief listening to this and you're like, ah, I don't know all that, that's all tactical stuff. That's cool for firemen. We have a track specifically for uh, chief officers. So let's that, go that, that you know, want to, they want to participate, but you know, maybe in the past we haven't had stuff dedicated strictly to that group of, of the fire service. So um, it's going to be a good time, man. It's, it's going to be an absolute blast. We have 
uh, really something for everybody. Um, we've been really honored to have you guys jump in on this, man, and give us a, a little little plug here on the conference or about the conference. So on, on I'm gonna Fire Radio. I'm gonna um, commit right now. I'm gonna get my ass down there for this. Uh, so we're in. It's just a matter of how we're gonna make it happen. But we're gonna make it happen. I want to be there. Um, you guys got me excited about this, and uh, it's already on the calendar. Just a matter of making it all happen. But I, I'd love to be there and see this firsthand, man. I'd love to do yeah. it. So, well, like I said, Jeremy, thank you for taking some time today to to have us on. Hell yeah! I mean, that, so, listen, that's yeah. what this is about, man. I mean, when when you have a plat, listen, we talked about your podcast. When you, when we have the ability to to share good information, we're making this job better. That's all it's about. And so, you guys have a great conference. We we chatted it up. I said, let's just do this. Let's talk about it. We'll go down the road. We'll discuss it a little bit. And I think just getting a little background on it too speaks volumes. Uh, it's year five. Congratulations on five, four very successful years. Number five is going to be even bigger and better. Uh, and I'm excited to uh, see it firsthand this year. Um, and it's, it's Florida in February, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be good. Oh. It'll be really good. I'm looking forward to it. And I wish you guys uh, incredible success with it. Um, if people are still interested, we announced a couple things on this. I'm going to push up. Uh, this episode faster into the schedule now to get this out quick. Uh, so we'll get this episode out uh, maybe tomorrow if I can. If not, it'll be Monday um, so that we can get this announcement out and then we can follow it up with some social media runs for you guys announcing that. Um, but with that too, where can people go? Where can people find out more about this social media website, etc.? Yeah, so uh, most of that information is on the North Florida Fire Expo.com. So just, you know, North Florida Fire Expo, all lowercase, no spaces. Uh, dot com. Uh, that's the website. And then as far as social media goes, we're on Facebook as North Florida Fire Expo, Instagram and Twitter. Well, X now technically. Um, but uh, yeah, look us up on any of the social media platforms. If you have questions, please uh, reach out to us through the social media platforms, through Messenger, or you can reach me or Kyle. Uh, my number is 850-374-2296. Kyle. My number is 608-931-6347. I don't believe you, Kyle. I think he's giving a fake number. He doesn't want anybody calling him. I'm kidding. No, that's awesome, guys. I mean, it's just, it's 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 cool. You guys are absolutely committed to the conference and to make sure that you over-deliver on what you're talking about. And uh, it shows today through the conversation and the relationship you guys have with each other and and pushing this uh, pushing this conference forward, man. It's awesome. So keep up the good work. Congratulations. And uh, the most success with it possible, man. Good job. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Cool. Guys, thank you. Guys, don't leave. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast. I'll come right back to you. So, guys, check them out. The North Florida Fire Expo, February 7th through 10th, 2024, in the Panhandle of Florida right on the Gulf Coast. It's the place to be, opening up more spots for the popular classes. If you haven't done it yet, go check them out on social media. Check out their website. Sign up. Be there. Love to see you there. And uh, for Nick Peppard and uh, Kyle Strait, guys, thanks for being here today and talking about the Expo and a little bit about yourselves. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the National Fire Radio Podcast. And like I say at the end of every episode, take this job, take this conversation, take it back to the firehouse and talk about it because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. We'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.